um, theme for this one? Or are you not sure yet? So it depends, because I gather together different recordings from different people. Ah. And then I decide on something thematically. But I oh, felt like you'd want cool. to talk about your work. Yeah, ooh. Um, but you can also just yeah. talk about anything. I could talk that. about like my art stuff, or I could talk about my um, art, like kind of art therapy work, or um, yeah, yeah. to Love in the Time Of with me, Kate Checker. Um, so for this week's episode, this isn't actually the episode I had planned for this week. Not that I do that much planning, but it's interesting to see how you have an idea of what you're going to do and how that sometimes doesn't go the way it goes. And I think that's quite a good thing to move with, you know, the path of maybe least resistance and flow a bit more in time with other energies and aspects that are taking you different places. Well, I've made that sound really beautiful and ethereal, um, which is an oversimplification of just saying, this is a different thing than what I had thought I was going to do. And none of you who are listening would have known that, so it really doesn't matter that I told you that. I think a lot of people right now are struggling with their mental health. I think, I mean, I think it's been going on for this whole lockdown, if not before that, if you have mental health issues before. But the last week, I've just noticed that people are more in time with each other. And that kind of fits in what I'm saying. I feel like there's bigger forces at work that are now becoming more apparent that we can see. I've had more calls, at least a handful of voice notes and calls and messages the last couple of weeks that have said people have cried on specific days and people are feeling a bit out of sorts. The astrological um, explainer for that is cancer season, boo. Um, I think... It's interesting to also watch how people are navigating mental health issues at the moment under lockdown. So for me at the moment, I have deactivated my Instagram, my Facebook. I am trying to get off social media. I'm trying to learn how to do stuff for myself. So I've taken up embroidery. I've <laughs> I've embroidered a few of my old bras. Um, some of them have daisies. One of them has fuck this embroidered on the back. I hope I'm allowed to swear on my podcast. I guess I make the rules of my own podcast and I've decided <laughs> I'm allowed to swear. Um, yeah. 
So this week I went to go and speak to Ella, who is an artist and also an art therapist. And I'm interested um, in the intersections between things that have often traditionally been separated. I think this categorization and the separation of stuff is very, firstly, like a European thing to do. It kind of comes from enlightenment thinking of like categorizing everything um, and separating subjects. There are certainly Marxists that would argue that the separation of subjects is like the emphasis of the division of labor that fundamentally like fueled the industrial revolution and capitalism. There's a little bit of background philosophy for you. I think it's important for different subjects and things we think of as separate to bleed into each other. And I think things like art therapy and music therapy and these more holistic kinds of therapies are important for that. I also am interested in like the transformative power of art as someone who who was very artistic when I was younger and then lost that or didn't pursue that for a really long time and ended up pursuing politics because I do really love politics um, and sort of almost bought into the idea that art, you know, because it wasn't dealing with certain kind of things, wasn't as maybe like, you know, it didn't deal with the important things. So I was going to focus on, I guess, politics and academia. And now I'm of the belief that actually in these times, and I think it's been said about, um, especially like corona times, is like who did you turn to in these moments when you felt lost? And it was artists, it was anyone that could produce something that would take you out of what is a really stifling, claustrophobic situation. And I think art in that sense is incredibly important. So I went to go talk to Ella I thought we would just talk for a few minutes, maybe 20 minutes or so, and we ended up talking for almost an hour. And it was so important and I think so interesting a conversation that I just wanted to play it out for the whole hour. So that's what's um, going to happen here. Uh, we discuss a lot about mental health issues, if that's just a content warning for people. Um, and I just think it's... It's something I'm trying to work on myself. I'm trying to do sort of like learn to do stuff for myself and without putting it out there as content, which is, I think, partly because I do comedy and that's very externally focused art form. You you rely on other people's reaction. Um, and if you don't care about people laughing, then you're either very bad or just such a genius of a comedian that you don't... <laughs> there are plenty of comedians that are like, who gives a fuck what the audience think? Um, I'm not one of them. I want my audience to be having a good time. I just, in general, want people to be having a good time. But I'm trying to also learn to do art for myself, which is also interesting because I've been painting a lot, doing these collage watercolour, very beautiful if I do say so myself, postcards, and then posting them to people. And it's interesting because even when I'm doing art, I cannot, I can't really quite yet get to the point where I do it for myself. I still want to do it for someone else. I think that's interesting. But it's interesting exploring all these topics. Anyway, that's what we're exploring this week. I think it's very beautiful and you're going to enjoy it. And I hope you all stay safe and healthy and you look after one another. Because that, in the end, is all that's going to get us through. Right. No, 
nice to see you, Ella. Oh, nice to see you, Kate. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah. I feel like you've always been art, and in, yeah, interested in yeah art in some way, some form or another. Yeah. So, but I think the sort of turning point to kind of taking it more seriously was when I was at um, Brighton at Sussex Uni, and um, I specialised in, I was doing this media theory and practice course and specialised in film. And then I was doing this film and I was having to like work with all these other people that were really annoying and it was like really <laughs> bloody stressful. I was like, oh my God, I do not want to do this anymore. Instead I'll do photography where I can work on my own. Mm. Um, and yeah, basically um, did some projects which I got really interested in um, and into and I did a project, my first kind of project, which is kind of working in kind of mental health, was a project where I went to different asylums um, along the south coast, different um, sort of psychiatric hospitals, and sort of snuck into them with, with a friend of mine and photographed the kind of interiors of them. and then looked into the histories of the people that had lived there, and I was kind of interested in um, people kind of understanding more about kind of what it how it feels to be unwell um so I projected images of people that had been in those asylums mm. back into those spaces um and then used bits of narrative um f- taken from people's personal stories and diaries and stuff from those places and then had that text with the different images so it might have said yeah. something like I start thinking about time and space or it could be I start smelling things that aren't there. or Yeah, it was all kind of looking at more like psychosis and that sort of thing. Yeah, so that was like the first project where I, you know, got really into kind of trying to sort of explore mental health, basically. And then um, after that course finished, I then did an MA in photography at London College of Communication. And then for that project, I thought, oh... I'd like to explore mental health more, but it'd be, I think the best way I can do that is by exploring my own experience of like having mental health struggles. Um, So I kind of did a project trying to sort of visualize different mental states, Mm. basically. So I looked at experiences I'd had of feeling kind of, you know, unwell and unsteady and anxious and um, detached from reality and all these different things and I basically the end project I I went into different different places and like searched for objects that had kind of resonance with some of those experiences so they were all all the objects that I picked were um they kind of had medical references or slightly kind of unusual like hard to recognize objects so then built these little assemblages from them which were like kind of these sort of dysfunctional systems almost. I then projected like in the dark room, printed portraits of myself onto the sculptures and and some of them moved. So some of them like you might, you have to, if you pressed a button, the heads might mm. shake or liquid like dripped through some of them. But I really loved the whole printing process and mm. like getting really creative in the um, dark room and, trying to um trying to like it was quite fun the challenge of it as well because the 
um, substance I was using was called liquid emulsion. And you basically, in the dark room, paint this substance onto whatever object you want to print onto and expose it under an enlarger, then put it through developer and fix. But like the image, it's really hard to get the image to transfer onto the object. Mm. So like you'd, the image would start coming out, like say on a weird glass vessel for instance mm. I might have been p- putting it onto that and then you'd be putting it through the developer and you're like oh my god the image is coming out and it's like really exciting yeah. and then suddenly the image like you carry on washing it and it just slips off so it was like it was a really kind of hard it was really hard to grasp and um and like yeah the sort of fragility of the process kind of really echoed the sort of this sort of experiences I was trying to um portray so it was quite an interesting process that and it just got me really into darkroom photography but particularly printing so like there's kind of there's taking the shot or there's making the shot and for me it was more about creating something um that somehow translated an essence of you know my experience and then yeah using darkroom techniques or whether it's putting the object onto photographic paper to create a shadow image or printing on like I explained with the Mm. um, liquid emulsion yeah and I still do that sort of stuff still so I I, that kind of really excited me at the time and then I've been yeah using the darkroom ever since in yeah in different ways but at the moment I'm doing a lot of um yeah these shadow images where you lie objects on paper and I've been doing these um these bubble prints yeah um yeah which are basically yeah these big kind of explosive images where you end up creating a lot of mess in the dark room and getting black <laughs> black paint everywhere and the last time I went there it was awful because I was like yeah the hose had like fallen off the side of the bath and it was like pouring out while I was like somewhere else in the dark room and I came in it was like a swimming pool and, and then there was black ink all over the walls I was like ah where, where is this dark room? It's in Bristol. Okay. It's, yeah, it's St. Paul's dark room, like St. Paul's Learning Centre. And yeah, so I was desperately like, shit, all the water's going to start coming through the ceiling. But I managed to just about um, just about sort it out. But yeah, all of the stuff I end up doing in the dark room is quite experimental and quite messy, um, which is like the opposite of way the way photographers tend to work, which is very kind of exact and precise right. and... Yeah, so it's quite, yeah, it's more of a kind of expressive way of working than, than <laughs> yeah, how you, how photographers <laughs> tend to operate, but yeah. I, like, I have so many questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think that's so interesting that it's like, that would mirror exactly how a mental health, I think, as someone who's had quite a lot of mental health issues, is like, yeah, you're trying to get something and then it slips out of your hands. Yeah, Um that seems so like exact to yeah and and um anyone who has experienced something like that is aware of how fragile the your sort of mental health is and how it does it's easy to for it to just slip away like Mm. like the image you know you could just it just slips and then suddenly you find yourself in a really difficult place does it help putting it like processing it through art yeah definitely um yeah, when you produce something that you feel um, sort of reflects that kind of physical manifestation of something, your interior state, that is a re- that's a really sort of powerful thing to think that, yeah, that, that does speak to that experience. Because that's the whole struggle is like um, with, you know, trying to visualise something invisible. It's like, it, or even in words... 
mm. it's really difficult you know trying to sort of because like, it's about trying to find a language to explain what it's like being unwell and um yeah so I think it's still something I'm working on and still you know trying to explore more and but I think I'm less wedded now to since I studied art psychotherapy a couple of years ago I've been more interested um in rather than you know being so um sort of fixed about trying to show a particular experience mm. I'm more approach art maybe a little bit more playfully now mm. and with these bubble prints like it has there's lots of ways that it can it connects to kind of mental health and that kind of bubbling over and the mind and that sort of thing but it's also it is playful and it is mm. fun and um yeah I'm quite enjoying you know not not sort of having to explain you know not yeah trying to explain the experience so much but more just um seeing what my I don't know subconscious does yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know oh uh, yeah like there's less of a fixed objective you're trying to yeah to reach what is it like so now you've done art psychology and that's your work does that change how you feel about art it doesn't massively because um in with the art psychotherapy that you can't really do dark room photography yeah work in that with clients um or maybe you could but I just it seemed too hard to you know navigate at this point um so I see my kind of art making as my kind of you know dark room work and I feel like that's quite separate to the work that I do um with clients where I'll, I'll be might be making work alongside them but it'll be using kind of paints and crayons and found you know it might be a bit of found objects as well which is so it does have some parallels but um I don't really see that as my um as my like art practice I see that more just as um sort of playing with the art Mm. materials rather than um yeah, basically, it's it's interesting, like the the art in si- art psychotherapy, because um, it's more about the process mm. of it um, than the end, you know, point. Mm. It's not, you know, so when you're making art in art therapy, you know, you're trying to take away any judgment upon the work, and kind of, you know, getting rid of any notion of what's good art and bad art. And you, you're using it for its expressive qualities and um, its ability to be able to express what you can't necessarily express um, mm. verbally. And, yeah, that's quite different, really, to my own practice, you know, the darkroom stuff where, I, where I'm really trying to... It's really important to me that I produce mm. something that I'm really pleased with and that mm-hmm. I, you know... Have you know again it's about it is the process that I really enjoy, but I'm trying to get to an end point that I mm. feel you know that I'm really pleased with, so it's quite it's quite a different thing really, so I don't think i interesting I don't think I value the art psychotherapy artwork I do in the set in, in the same way mm. um yeah it, I, yeah, so you do art with clients, yeah, I do, yeah. 
So they wouldn't go off and draw something, say, and then come back to you? Uh, no. No, mostly we'll... So I have a series of different kind of work I do. Mm. So um, I have a project called The Portable Art... Um, God, son, I can't even remember the name of my own studio. <laughs> the Portable Wellbeing Studio. There we go. It's obviously far too long a name. I can't even remember it myself. What's your email address? The Portable Wellbeing Studio at gmail. Uh, yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we have that and we we tow that to different places um, that need more mental health provision. Yeah. Um, so at the moment we're going to different schools around Wiltshire. Um, so for that, I kind of work within the studio and do one-to-one work and art therapy groups. Um, and then I also work in a studio in just behind Spike Island in Bristol, and that's sort of big warehouse. And people come and spend the day making artwork, and there's two art therapists that work there. Did mm. I say that's called Studio Upstairs? And, yeah, it's a really great space to be in. It's, it's kind of like a therapeutic arts community mm. Um and yeah some of the members have been there for like 15 20 years so it's a real sort of family for everyone Mm -hmm. there and then I also do through lockdown I've been doing some art therapy groups online and a bit of mentoring as well yeah so with most of the work I do my art therapy work I um yeah work alongside the clients service users whatever you you would call the people I work Mm. with and part of that is about kind of it's really important to me to be open and authentic and transparent as an art therapist and being able to work alongside sort of equalizes that power dynamic as well so Mm. there isn't this kind of there's less of that kind of judgmental gaze if you of having maybe a therapist that's watching you while you're making work if you're making work alongside us somehow I think it changes the dynamics Mm. um, and it allows the client to be able to see a bit of who you are as well and you're able to role model for the client, Mm. you know, the art making process. I think it's got a lot of benefits. Um, Yeah, so, yeah, there's lots of different ways, I think, um, you know, that I try and make, you know, bring work so that I'm working on the same level with clients and we do different things like... um, when we write um, what, you know, clinically would be called like reports after mm. we've done a piece of work with a, a client, we always, I always do, do that collaboratively. So mm. we're working on that together. So it's not like, um, right. It, so you're not, you know, if you're, if you're dictating to the other person what their experience of therapy was like, it kind of, that can, almost like colonize their experience but if Mm. you're able to do that collaboratively and be like this was my this is how I understood you know Mm. this aspect of of the work and then go and and work on it together Mm. and find the right words together um I think that can empower the um the client more because it is a weird experience I don't know whether you ever had it um Mm. um at any point but where you might read like say a psychiatrist's letter about you or something you know like where they're reporting you know say if you've had a session with them and they then you know write that report about you know how you presented you know in in the space and it it 
it's really quite a peculiar experience having right. somebody else, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's a really hard. It's really hard thing to explain, um, but yeah, it was. It's something that I've I've found quite and um, quite alienating reading um, reading those sorts of things written about me. Um, I feel like you're not supposed to read them, are you? Yeah, because usually, yeah, they. Um, you know, they'll write a letter and then it'll go to the doctor and it'll go to you. That's how oh, often okay. it works. But I also did I also did a project um, where I, um, it didn't go very far, but I basically went to my surgery and asked to see some of the notes um, that had been written about me. Mm. Um, this was when one of my f- projects I was doing and I mm. thought that would be sort of an interesting, you know, experience to look at some of that, some yeah. of those notes and stuff. And it was... It was a really weird experience, like reading these, you know, reading these notes about, um, yeah, about how I presented to them and, you know, all yeah, that, yeah. you know, like, yeah, it just, it's quite a kind of belittling kind of, um, disempowering. Yeah, really disempowering and kind of, um, like you're some sort of, ob- you know, yeah, really objectified and like you're yeah. this kind of, really pathologized like you're this sort of medical exhibit that they kind of (laughs) are like observing it makes you feel really alienated in a way from yourself yeah yeah it's kind of yeah odd odd experience so um yeah that's a massive ramble but basically um yeah various different ways yeah i i try to kind of make that experience um less basically less clinical that's what I'm really interested in is kind of is how to provide a therapeutic service that isn't clinical Mm. that doesn't rob people of their identity that doesn't make them feel um you know feel like they're a patient and feel instead you know identify themselves as an artist instead I feel like you do therapy can make you feel like there's something wrong with you, because I, I had therapy in Berlin and she's like really, like just a very German lady, Britta. I love her, but it was like one time I came in and asked her how she was. I was like, "How are you?" And she was like, "Oh, I don't. That's a weird question for you to ask me." And I was like, "I'm just. I don't know. I'm being British. I'm being polite. I'm asking you how." Yeah, you yeah, and I think it's you know it is a weird experience pouring out everything of yourself to someone else <laughs> and not knowing anything about that person that you're pouring it out to. Yeah. Like, that is quite a peculiar experience. And I think, um, cause that is an absolute classic in the therapy world of like, you know, the client be like, say something. And then the, um, therapist just sort of project that straight back to them, you know, like, like, like you've got the problem for asking me that in the first place when it's like, actually it's, it's very normal to be a bit curious and it's okay to show something. Yeah. The therapist it's okay for you to show something of yourself. You know, you don't have to be this kind of, you know, blank screen, you know, it's okay to be human. And yeah. a lot of the, kind of stuff that I was looking at when I was studying the art therapy course was um people like um Carl Rogers um and Irvin Yalom and people that kind of you know who who work in a more authentic transparent human kind Mm. of way basically that's all the kind of humanistic psychology movement where it's okay to you know and Mm. and show it 
being able to express how, how you feel as the therapist is important and be able to sort of, you know, I think the fear, I guess, with the therapist is that, you you know, your client will ask you one question, you'll answer it, then they'll ask you another, then another, then another, then suddenly the whole balance is gone off kilter and, you know, the focus is no longer on the client. But I, in reality, I just don't think that's, mm. you know, that happens. I think you ask a few questions and then it's like, oh, okay, you know, mm. as the client, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's interesting to know. And mm. and it's just, and you'd feel it, I think you feel more connected. And if you feel more connected to that therapist, you'll feel safer and probably more safe to be able to explore parts right. of yourself. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's just my kind of perspective on it. Do you ever get, like, really exhausted because, like, of other people's, I guess, traumas or... Yeah. Do you ever feel like very tired? Um, I mean, you might just feel tired anyway. Like <laughs> I, I, I feel tired this week because the weather's weird. But like, yeah. yeah. Does it? Do, but like, does it? Do you carry it? Do you? Feel like? um, yeah, definitely. I think. Um, yeah, sometimes I feel more resilient than mm. other times. Really, um, yeah, and you know, it's you know, there's there's been some people recently that have been really unwell um in one of the places i work and um and that's really hard yeah. especially you know if someone takes their own life that's a really difficult experience yeah. to hold and it massively impacts on the rest of your life um yeah but it does change you know from day to day and depending on maybe how much you're looking after your own mental health impacts on how how much you take on of other people's distress um so if you're if i'm like really looking after myself and i'm sleeping well and um yeah. i'm doing sport and um having massage seeing a therapist if i'm doing all these yeah, things yeah. you know i'm in a really strong place and i'm yeah i'm less influenced um right. but yeah it it sort of yeah it depends really and then also um yeah, maybe different people affect you in different mm. ways as well. Um, I think it is natural that you're, you're, you know, obviously you have different relationships with two people and people that maybe you connect with more, you get more, mm. you know, if and if they're particularly unwell, that impacts you more maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you like doing it? Yeah, I really like doing it. Um, yeah, so... I really like the balance I've got at the moment of doing, I don't do enough of it, but a bit of my own art practice um, and then a bit of art therapy and a bit of um, art workshops. I really enjoy like doing all of that. I'm also doing a bit of mentoring as well through lockdown. Uh, but yeah, so that's a like really nice mix. So I, what I love about the art therapy stuff is um, really um, feeling like I can, you know, being able to support someone through a really tough time is a really amazing experience. Um, and building up those relationships with lots of different types of people, um, I really enjoy. And then, yeah, with the art workshops, it's that's a very different kind of work. Um, but, yeah, with that work, it's more you know, more teaching kind of style mm. work and coming up with kind of creative ideas for workshops I really like and then doing my own practice. Um, I get a lot out of. 
so having kind of a bit of a mixture of all of it's good I don't think I'd be able to do just just one of those things yeah. I really like that balance um yeah I think it's do you think you'd be doing anything else if you weren't doing anything do you think you'd always do something with art mm, yeah because it's interesting because in all those different areas um it's all a very different way like mm. different way to approach the art um yeah one is kind of you know about it being a vehicle to kind of express yourself and all about the process and you know that sort of thing um and then and then there's like you know having an objective of being able to you know try and portray a mental state in a you know and mm. then and then there's the art which is art workshop oh then the art workshop so the art workshops would be about you know that's about kind of teaching how to yeah. do a process you know so right. so there's you know they're all quite different ways and there is a real overlap between um art therapy which is about expressing your you know yeah. emotions and and the um and my art practice which you know which is the it which is essentially the same um but it's just different the way I go about it um, and the importance I put on the end product, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's really nice to have... So I guess in answer to your question, um, yeah, I I don't... I think I would really miss, you know, having mm. some art element in my life. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to... And it's beautiful working with the art therapy, working with someone and making work alongside them and being able to discuss that artwork yeah. with them. You know, it's a really rich, wonderful experience. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I don't I wouldn't really want to want to let go yeah. you know, of any of those things, I think. I think art is like it sounds like your art's very personal but also quite political because in the way that mental health has become very political now and it's such like a, a thing we talk about, do you feel like, do you have any, maybe you don't even have a value judgment on it, but like an idea about whether you think it, art should be related to something personal or political or related to something other? Because I feel like there's sometimes an idea that art should be like on its own, but nothing ever really is like unobjective, you know? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't think um I like there not being any rules around <laughs> art. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, art can be art. Yeah, yeah. Um can be whatever you want it to be and it's everyone I think, you know, it's important that everyone has their own kind of personal relationship to art making and it can be p- personal, it can be political. Um it can be playful. Mm. It can be kind of whatever, whatever you want, really. But the it, the work that interests me is the work um, that is personal and the work that's about exploring mm. um, somebody's experience, because mm. um, that work has a kind of rawness and an authenticity that I find mm. um, really alluring and powerful. Um, yeah, but I think you know, art's got so many great uses. Um, mm. Yeah, and it is a really powerful thing in, in however it's used, you know, even if it's just a, a, as a vehicle to be able to play, that's, like, so important for people's headspaces mm. to be able to let go and mm. get messy and play is, like, really essential. So, yeah. yeah. 
I think that's what I'm trying to learn a bit now is like just do stuff for the sake of just enjoying the thing but I'm so used to trying to be productive of like everything I create I'm trying to turn into something that's like out there or like content which is why I've like deactivated my social media accounts at the moment because I'm just like I just need to work out how to just do stuff for yourself not for anyone else yeah yeah which I find really difficult Okay, I've got one question because I just think you mentioned the beginning. How did you break into people's asylums? <laughs> <laughs> well, there was there's um loads of online communities. Um and <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. What to help bust people out of mental health institutes. <laughs> so these, yes, they're all these kind of derelict basically derelict buildings and oh. whether they're hospitals or whether I might have explained that at the beginning that they're derelict Did okay so that? that I thought they were like people might still be there no <laughs> so okay. that's a real bad explanation at the beginning <laughs> basically they're all yeah there's like derelict buildings all right, over the yeah. UK and then there's these online communities um called urban explorers mm. they call themselves who like go around all these derelict buildings and often photograph them mm. so once I started my project basically where I knew I'd heard about all these um derelict um you know psychiatric hospitals yeah. all over the place I thought that's that would be a great project being able to photograph some of those places because they all closed down in the kind of 80s early 90s so they've just been left to ruin basically um so I thought oh you know I'd, I'd love to do that then I started researching it then I found this whole kind of underground community of these urban explorers that go around these buildings and then on some of these chats forums they'll like say how you can sneak into the building okay. and stuff so there might be like a way in through a broken window yeah. in, around the back of the building or whatever but these hospitals are like massive they're like they're yeah, like yeah. you know acres and acres of land they're these humongous like hospitals with all these long corridors like I would not do that like when I was at uni I was like yeah man let's do it and I'd like even this one time there was this rope coming out this window and I like climbed up this rope in order to get into one of the buildings through this window and I look back now and I'm like oh my god (laughs) and once we were at one of the asylums and um and it was really spooky there was these other people exploring the asylum at the same time as us and so we heard all these noises and we were like hiding in this toy in this kind of derelict horrible toilet me and my friend like shaking being like oh my god who's that who's that we're gonna get caught (laughs) it was just some other other explorers yeah so basically if you just yeah, a lot of the places have got security, so they're hard to get into. Yeah, but but some of them, some of I them. I feel don't. like they'd be so spooky. They are proper spooky, but they're incredibly beautiful as well. Like all the paint that's peeling off, like shows all the paint behind. That's also peeling off. That shows the paint behind, and there's all these like layers and crackling and ivy yeah. like pouring through the windows and kind of nature taking over these buildings, and then just loads of weird objects. So there might be. Um, a pair of slippers outside a door in another room there might be a load of medical notes um scattered all yeah. over the floor um clothing like um bits of old kind of um ma- sort of machinery um that they use to yeah. kind of test people and stuff and old theater spaces and it's just like one day suddenly they obviously close down they're like right care in the community now we're going to abandon these, this, you know... Way of dealing with mental health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, So just everything's just left, basically. So it's like, like really, they're very, like, they're, yeah, real spooky spaces, um, but really beautiful spaces as well. But, um, 
yeah, quite crazy to think, um, you know, what it would, you know, they changed a lot over different periods of time. They, um, the way they treated mental health was different, um, you know, through different periods in time. But there were some horrible, you know, mm. in the 1900s and stuff, the way that mental health was sort of treated was really horrific and um, violent. And, mm. you know, the people there were kind of treated like animals and, um, yeah, really horrible practice going on in those spaces. Um, but I think later on they were more, they were seen as more like kind of a sanctuary and a safe place away mm. from kind of the world um, and there were, I think there were some quite, you know, they oft, often these um, hospitals are in these beautiful grounds, you know, with loads of fields and, mm. you know, people could go off and explore. And yeah, I it, I don't know. I don't know what everyone's experience like of those places, but I think by and large, they were pretty horrible places to be, yeah. you know, and just like these, you know, massive long corridors that go on and on and on. Um, and lots, some of the air... Yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to live in have, a place like that. Yeah, I visited someone on the psychiatric ward. It wasn't that long ago, and I was like, "This is exactly how I would imagine it to be." Mm. And I almost couldn't believe how like spot on it was. Like, yeah, between, like the people that are not there shuffling around who haven't like, washed and like, yeah, just that like, you can just feel there's just a weird energy where I was like, the people here are not quite with it. No, it, um, it. They're horrible places to like the psychiatric hospitals now are just not nice environments. Mm. I worked um, on it as one of my placements at uni. I worked on um, a ward at Western Supermare Hospital on their psychiatric ward, and it was just horrible. And it's like if you're feeling really vulnerable, that yeah. is the worst place, place to, to be. be. Yeah, that you was know, a... everything was yeah. like lock, you know, really claustrophobic. Like you locked into all these different spaces. No fresh air. And it's no, no fresh light, air. Yeah. Really sterile. Everything's wiped clean. Like you can't even, you know, use a china mug and feel the warmth of that cup of tea because you know that's a that could be a danger. So instead, they're drinking from these horrible plastic cups and the chairs you can't move. There are yeah. all these weighted chairs so you can't move them round and because that could be a risk. So. Um, so everything feels yeah. wrong. It doesn't feel um, everything's really uncomfortable and sterile. And even the sofas are like these horrible plastic sofas that they mm. sit on. And it's like that that is not an environment that's going to improve someone's mental yeah. health. And I think space and the environment has a huge impact mm. on your psychology. Mm. Yeah, 100 percent. Do you want to say anything more about space in particular? Um, yeah, I guess um, what's been important for me with the creating of the portable mm. wellbeing studio was creating a space that feels good. Mm. Um, so with that, it's like a it's like a giant shepherd's hut essentially, mm. um, and inside it's all like it's all wood um, and shelves and like loads of different types of art materials um and there's lots of there's lots of color different colorful chairs um and plants and on the outside mm. it's all cor it's corrugated iron and it's got i mean it's got a logo on the side and there's lots of windows so it's all mm. bright and light in there um and that was really important um is is for us to create a space where you walk in and it feels different it feels good it feels lively it feels creative mm. 
Um, and that's what a lot of the kids have picked up on as well. You know, like they might say, oh, it doesn't feel like school in here. Mm. You know, so then that enables you to maybe act a bit differently to how you would usually. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think, and I it massively impacts me like spaces. And I, um, I can quite easily get quite claustrophobic and panicky if I'm in a space that does if I if yeah. I get a, if I, I'm in a space that doesn't make me feel good yeah it's something that I guess yeah I, I think that's particularly important mm. important to me so um mm. Mm. but yeah it makes me feel like um you know create it makes me feel quite passionate and quite but quite angry about you know these these you know these yeah. not asylums but these sort of hospitals yeah um i just think it's quite outrageous that people are made to supposedly go and get well in these horrible places um it's like and i know that there is an element of kind of safety about it and there is an element of cleanness um but i just i can't believe that there's not a way to make them you know if you were going to a nice hospital nice um hotel yeah you know that was really cozy and um really beautiful and loads of gorgeous things um you know you'd have to obviously do risk assessments and make sure that it that there wasn't any dangerous elements you know to the space but i you know that would that would help i think help you get well quicker um yeah, so I always find it boggling that the spaces are more like prisons rather than like hotels. Um, mm. I think that just speaks to like a broader kind of political thing, which is actually, which is actually like how much does the government care about, or like how much do they, the kind of people in charge, as we always think of them, care about fixing people, and how much they actually just want them to be away from the regular society to keep certain things functioning. Mm. Because I just think if you gave more people time off work, people would be being able to be cared for by other people in their home or in their community and all these things. But fundamentally, it's cheaper to put people on a psychiatric ward than yeah. it is to give them decent like housing. And Yeah, and it's also, I think, about um, the fact that mental health is still stigmatised and, mm. um, and, and people treat um, the... You know, you're treated like you know essentially like an animal you're mm. treated um you know like like you've committed some crime becoming unwell you know mm. like you know like you're in this sort of prison like space um, it does feel like a punishment for doing something wrong like yeah you've done something wrong. exactly um yeah you'd never it's interesting because you you know the way the difference between how mental health and physical health is treated is just you know so different isn't it and it's quite yeah. it's quite bewildering um and yeah but i mean i could end up ranting forever about that because it is just mm. i just i it just shocks me you know that if you've got a bad toenail you can see a doctor instantly um yeah. and but if you've got like an issue with you know with your mental health and you want to speak to an expert who who would be a you know about say medication you'd want to speak to a psychiatrist and you can't even you know you have to be seriously unwell um in crisis before you can access a Mm. psychiatrist um 
you know, and a doc, you know, if you went to your doctor about it, they, you know, would have to go and then speak to the psychiatrist and then report back to you. And mm. it's like, um, yeah. Yeah. I do think we, I think we're getting better about it as a society, but that might have been moving to Berlin because everyone, I never found people that spoke so openly about being depressed than when they moved to Berlin. Oh, I think really? it's just full of artists. So everyone, it's like Berlin, everyone's slightly depressed. The weather, <laughs> like the winters are awful. So, so we're all depressed here, but it's fine. It's <laughs> <laughs> talking about it. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like I think do you just, I'm so much more open about it than I was yeah. when I was in the UK. I think now just in my, yeah. Sometimes I get real sad. Yeah. Is that the thing with you that um, tends to be what your kind of vulnerability is, kind of getting sad, right? Yeah, I get overwhelmed by my own feelings. Yeah. And then I get a bit suicidal. Yeah. But I have quite good, my own sort of like, relatively effective techniques, which is like, okay, you feel really bad, make a cup of tea, and now drink that cup of tea, and then after you've had that cup of tea, then, like, let's see where the next thing is. Yeah, And then, like, call steps. someone, yeah. Yeah. And it's just always, like, just do one thing at a time, because that, otherwise, if I have to try and work out everything at a time, it's, like, overwhelming, and I can't handle it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, first the tea. Yeah. Once you have the tea, you call someone, and you just, like, keep them on the phone for an hour, and then an hour of talking to someone, you've Change. calmed, you've yeah. changed your, whatever chemicals in your body yeah. that are rushing around that are making you panic. Yeah, all that... Yeah, adrenaline and cortisol and everything. Yeah, it all calms down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird how we don't... It's also weird that we don't teach those kind of techniques to people as well. I know. It's it's crazy that at school you're, that there is, aren't lessons, well-being lessons as part of the <laughs> curriculum. You know, it's, the, it's essential. And it would say, in the long run, it would save the government a lot of money if um, people knew how to look after their yeah. well-being more, um, you know, where you could do things like meditation and like yoga mm. and um, learn about sort of psychoeducation around what, why the body does what it does mm. when, when it's anxious, you know, all these things would be so beneficial, I think. Um, and just, lear- you know, having that space in a school day where you can think about, you know, what makes you feel good, you know, what you can do to calm yourself. Because um, it, it's, there's no kind of one rule for every everyone, isn't there? Sure. You find out, you find out through experience kind of what works and stuff. Um, but it'd be great to have um, more focus around kind of exploring that, you know, in a, in a classroom yeah. setting where, you know, you can all, you can all explore it's, that. It is, you're right it's so personal it's like finding the thing that works for you yeah which took me like I'm 30 now like it took me 30 years to like well not 30 years because like when I start I guess I started having mental health problems when I was about 10 or 11 but it's like it took me so long to work out like how to kind of regulate them and also just that I wasn't someone that could do certain things I'm just I fundamentally incapable of working like an office job where I'd have to be somewhere for like nine hours straight it just messes with my psychology yeah and at some point you just like learn you just cannot do those kind of jobs. Yeah. You just I will always have to work part time or I'll always have to work doing something that's not Yeah. That because I get stressed about other people's deadlines, I feel them very like I feel very bad if I don't meet Yeah. Them, and so. people have different sort of sensitivities, don't they? Um you know, and I know you know, you hear it a lot, don't you? Creative people are, you know, perhaps have a bit more sensitive and stuff, but you know, I think it's really important um, to 
you know, not impose other people's um, standards. Yeah, standards onto you and just find, you know, find what works for you. And, you know, it's easy to kind of push yourself to try and be, be a certain way, but that's, you know, going against the grain, isn't it? And it's just trying to, um, yeah, find find your own yeah. path isn't it um and your own way of working and I think it's really as simple as like you know do what makes you feel good um you know and, but isn't and that just so funny that seems so, so simple hard. <laughs> <laughs> I know um I feel like we just we like genuinely teach children not to do I think we like yeah. spend so much of school teaching them to this doesn't feel good, but you have to do it. I think that is yeah. what school teaches you. So then you get into work and you're like, oh, I don't feel good, but that's what work's supposed to feel like. Yeah. And it takes like a really long time to be like, wait a minute, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think all through school, you know, it's not like, would you enjoy, would you feel passionate about, right, make sure you do, you, you know, choose those subjects at GCSE or A-level or whatever. Mm. Um, but there's all, there's so much pressure for kind of academia, um, you know, and certain subjects like mm. art subjects or like DT or, you know, a lot of the creative subjects um, aren't valued in the same way, are they? Mm. Um, so, yeah, everything's about... Um, yeah, about kind of, you know, doing well in those, you know, core yeah, subjects core and subjects. stuff. Yeah. Um, but those might not be the thing that that might not serve you in the long run. And actually being able to, if school was more about, you know, finding what you feel excited and passionate about and, and getting you to explore that in a, you know, deeper mm. way, I think there'd be a lot less mental health issues and a lot happier people. A lot, you know, a lot of the kind of, you know, work I do with mm. kind of mentoring at Bristol Uni and stuff like that is, you know, you're finding people studying subjects, paying like thousands upon thousands of pounds to study a subject that they're not even that interested in mm. because they've had pressure from their parents or pressure mm. from society to be doing, you know, law or being mm. or doing medicine or, you know, these subjects people really put on a pedestal, yeah, don't yeah. they? Um yeah, and then and then essentially you're, you know, putting your, all your energy into the wrong place, and sooner or later you're going to realise that that's not actually for you. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's. I think that's it precisely. I think it's we don't as well. It's like we need to kind of understand mental health in the context of, of the societies that we live in, and it's like what is there? There are active things the society is doing that ensures that people are having mental health problems. Like, yeah. <laughs> they are created by yeah them. they are absolutely mm. um yeah they're they're just they yeah i think no you put that brilliantly i would i've got another question um if someone was like didn't know like how to access like art therapy is there something someone could do at home that would be good for them do you think that you would suggest like oh sit down with some paper and yeah um it's it's i think different if you're working with the art therapist that's quite different to working on your own yeah. doing art making but i think um both you know are really valuable um yeah so if i think yeah just giving yourself you know a set time of a day yeah. or of a week 
that you just sit down with art materials and it might be that you just you think right for this hour I'm it's not about being productive it's not about mm. achieving anything this is just about it's like a meditation you know you're just going to mm. you're just going to see what happens and let the art materials you know speak for themselves and see what happens um and no doubt you'll feel in a different place at the end of that hour to how you felt at the beginning of that hour um you know but there's different ways you can approach it you you might want to just do it in a real playful way and just explore mark making and you know just let the process lead and see what happens um or you might want to you might have like you might decide right i'm going to you know every day or once a week i'm going to um you know try and use my use the art materials to explore how i feel at the moment you know how i feel in that present state and you might use color to explore that mm. shape you might want to do a symbol that you feel reflects that you might want to pick an animal that you feel you know parallels mm. with how you're feeling you know you can approach it however you want um but i think you know just giving giving yourself that time um mm to use it however you want and I guess different people it'll work differently for different people but I think art yeah it can it can be really exhilarating it can be really calming but it 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 really has the capacity to kind of change Mm. your state so Mm. it's a good it's a good um, tool to use to be able to take you into a different place Mm. yeah and I think it is really intrinsically calming as well Mm. I think that's good advice Thank you.